Folks, do you love movies? The good ones? Even the bad ones everyone told you not to like? It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies, so much so that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts celebrating the 20th anniversary of the cinematic masterpiece Josie and the Pussycats, to comfy sweatshirts made for the brave members of the Movies by Yourself Club. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. And as a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with code SUPERSKYTALKERS, all caps, no spaces, at checkout. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. Let's watch more movies. Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to. Our last Bad Batch episode, we've made of it. Of season one. Of season one. Of se- yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Of season <laughs> one, our very last episode, uh, covering the season finale of The Bad Batch called Camino Lost. And it was written by Jennifer Corbett, and it was directed once again by Saul Ruiz. How are we feeling? I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm very sad. <laughs> Um, it's actually I feel like this is like especially emotional for both of us just like the end you know actually literally less than 24 hours ago my sister had a baby which was very exciting I have a brand new nephew so and it was uh an emergency c-section everything is fine but it was kind of a drop everything like for my entire family while we were all going about our day and like converge at my sister's house to take care of her other kids and uh, you know, wait for news about the new baby. So like that was a very hectic day. And then to like come into like, you know, like you get off the adrenaline rush of, you know, a situation like that and like the excitement. And then uh, this morning, uh, you know, watching Bad Batch, which is like another like kind of wave of emotion. <laughs> <laughs> and then Charlotte is actually in the process of moving right now and, you know, uh, packing everything up in her apartment. So this is one of our last episodes that we're recording uh, with Charlotte in her current closet. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's, you know, I feel like a lot going on right now. <laughs> yeah. It's really sad. I this is the last episode and I feel like I I don't I didn't plan this, but moving right after the Bad Batch ends was like a good move since this was a a commitment we had to do every Friday, you know, or every weekend, basically. It's so weird because I think that when we say we record in our closets, it sounds like we're in, you know, curled up in a ball in the corner with our microphone. That's not how it is, at least not for me. I have a walk-in closet with a desk inside of it. (laughs) It's a small (laughs) desk, but it's a desk. And if things are a little echoey, it's because I've actually moved everything out of my closet. And the reason why a closet is a good place to record is because there's a lot of absorption for the sound. So wherever I record next, it'll be, a, I don't know, it, it, it'll it take us a little, yeah, it'll be different. So it's just, it's really sad. I mean, Keelan and I have recorded hundreds of episodes 
while I've been in this closet. So it's so crazy. Anyway, yeah, yeah I, I'm feeling I'm feeling you that it was an emotional episode, emotional time. It's emotional sitting here. It's just emotional. Overall, emotional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And likewise, uh, if I sound different too, it's because I am not in my closet. I am still at my sister's house, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, anxiously waiting to meet the new baby. So yeah. uh, we if things sound a little off, that's that's why. It's one, it's the emotions and the emotions – and everything else going on that is causing emotions too. <laughs> I thought this episode was just so gorgeous and I think it accomplished exactly what I wanted it to accomplish. Number one, I think we've said this every single episode we've recorded, but it's just maybe this one's the most beautiful episode I've seen with the water and the light and the fire. It was just unbelievable. It was so gorgeous. And Joel Aaron tweeted yesterday that like you should watch this with the lights off. And I think that was so true. I closed the blinds this morning. <laughs> it was it was very much like, okay, I'm entering theater mode for this, uh, this episode. And it was so worth it. For me, I felt like the writing and the pacing of this episode were just done really well. I, I feel that actually about the entire season of The Bad Batch. I generally feel like these episodes feel longer than they are in a good way. Like it always feels like there's a lot of story, a lot of, for lack of a better term, like meat that is happening in the episode that gets unspooled um, pretty well throughout the entire show. And I felt like that about this finale. And I think sometimes we as Star Wars fans, like the finales that stick in our brain for animation are, you know, usually include like a cameo or a different character. Like the one that really comes to mind in terms of a really good finale that everyone talks about is Twilight of the Apprentice from Rebels, which while it does like the first part includes Ezra, the second part doesn't include Ezra as much. And I feel like for this particular series, I think it was really important for it to continue to remain small scale and focus on the characters that we've, this like group, this like A-team that we've grown to love so much in this past season. And while there has been several cameos throughout the Bad Batch, it really felt like to me the best statement possible was this extreme focus on the characters and this like physical journey out of their home. For me, it felt very metaphorical in the way that, you know, everything was crashing around them. And you can think about that as the end of the prequels, the end of the Republic, the end of everything, but also the end of their origins, right? And this then also this revisit to their origins and this journey outward and like what happens when they all go out together. I, I just felt, I don't know, I felt like it was done really well. The music was amazing. Mm. I, I just I felt really strongly that this was a metaphor for moving on this episode of Camino Lost. And like I mentioned, in terms of like comparing it to other seasons, uh, season finales from animation, it felt like a really smart choice to focus on the main characters of the Bad Batch. And the only like other character that we really met here at the, was at the very end with Nala Say, which even still brings the focus really in on the clones and like what it means. So for me, I felt like this was the perfect finale. I give it a plus 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 plus. I loved it so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think well, one I feel like you said that all beautifully about the the strengths of the episode overall. I mean, it goes without saying that it was a gorgeous episode. They've really hit it out of the park with the visuals and that is something we've been saying every single episode that we've talked about the bad batch. It just every week I don't think it can get prettier or 
more artistic. I don't know how to describe it. It just it's beautiful. It's a beautiful show to look at. I think even if you like don't care about the characters at all or like are not interested in like watching watching the show, just looking at it is a treat itself. And yeah, the score in this episode in particular was absolutely beautiful. You talked about the pacing too. I think that's something we've also uh, really praised the Bad Batch for. It's pacing throughout. I thought has been really great as far as the balance of like action and heart, I think is kind of how I think of it. And I, these kinds of scenarios are my favorite when it is, you know, friends turned enemies stuck together and having to survive. There's just, it's such a good um, melting pot for conflict Mm -hmm. and discussion and conversation and also like good action and I think that this episode really succeeded in that of having all of them together plus Crosshair, who's kind of always trailing behind them, kind of deciding what he wants to do, uh, following, and ultimately them more or less working together in how to survive all of them. And I think that I think you're right that this this uh, this episode was about leaving and about saying goodbye. And I think it was so fitting that throughout the episode or at one point in the episode, they will talk about this, but they uh, come back to the Bad Batch Bachelor pad. And the fact that it's all destroyed, it's like you can't you can't go back there anymore. You can't go mm-hmm. back to the time when they were all living in that in that and like those were their their quarters. They can't go back to how things were before. And I think this episode kind of really solidified that that this is the the closing of a chapter and what that means for Crosshair in the future. I I really don't know. <laughs> um I genuinely do not know. I think there's a ton of symbolism packed into the fact that Camino is gone as well as um their original home as the Bad Batch. I think mm-hmm. there is immense symbolism there for what it could mean for Crosshair in the future, but I still like I still have hope for for our buddy. <laughs> for our I do too. I have um, more hope than I ever did, by the way. I I you know I I do too. I think there were a lot of really pointed moments uh, that give you that hope, but I really do think that like some of the conversations they have just make me question if that's really going to be his path. But you know, like we always say, like it it's always a possibility, you know, like redemption is always clear. You can always make another choice and it's always a, a quote unquote option. But I think that I think that the way the conversations were laid out in this episode, along with, like I said, the symbolism of their home and them being very specific about their quarters being destroyed. It's a, I think it says a lot. And honestly, I did not see the ending at all. Like I did not – that was not at all in our speculation bank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting because the episode, while I you know, went on about how it definitely is a metaphor and there's a lot built into it, like you said, but it did remind us of how things were when they did work together. It reminded me of that first Clone Wars episode where we meet the Bad Batch and them working together, then you're you're reminded of their like special powers, especially crosshairs, who's a really good shot and using that really good shot for good. You know, I thought that was a really emotional moment. I was like sobbing. Oh my god, um, when he saved a Az- I I don't know. I felt like it was a really good point to recognize how different things are. And you bringing up that crosshair was like trailing behind them every single step of the way and it always felt like omega was really close by 
and recognizing that. And um, I think that had a serious payoff in the end when Omega made the crazy decision to go after AZ and, you know, kind of risk it all and almost drown. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I, but then Crosshair saves her and, and him. So I don't know. I felt like, I felt like we were supposed to have this familiar um, recognition of like them as a crew, but also this understanding that things are different. I, I feel like Crosshair was learning a lot in this episode too, which I don't think we can gloss over that much. Like, I think he starts off with this prejudice against um, Omega, right? And like, doesn't want anything to do with Omega, considers her a kid, blah, 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 blah. And she is a kid. Don't get me wrong. She is a kid. But this sort of understanding that Crosshair learns that Omega is older than all of them. I, we've we've known this. We've talked about this before. But the fact that Crosshair had to come face to face with that knowledge, it was like this understanding that like, wow, things have changed. I don't know everything. I don't know what's going on here. This is uh, this is a group that am I a part of? I, I think that these are my brothers, but I don't know where I fit in anymore. Um with this new person here as well. Uh, I think we've talked a little bit about in on our podcast about this concept of like Omega replacing Crosshair and like how that's there's this like undercurrent that happens within every single one of their conversations or anytime Crosshair mentions Omega. And I, I felt that so much in this episode. I don't know about you, but I felt like they were really tugging on that and not really exactly saying it explicitly, but I thought it was interesting that when they were all in the tubes, um, being brought up to the surface, the pairings of who went with who. I thought it was fascinating that Omega went alone as the smallest. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if you felt that way. I was like, what the I, heck? I thought it was so funny when they were when Wrecker was talking about how he didn't fit. And I think it was Hunter who said, well, at least you don't have to pair up. I was like, oh, he's going with Omega. And then Omega Same. was by herself. But to me, I think that that's purposeful. Not because, of course, the story reason of like Omega wanted to. Where they were going to have a dramatic moment with Omega later. I was yeah. like, this is purposeful. But I think you can think a little bit more about the fact that Crosshair and Hunter were together, that Echo and Tech were together. I think that these are characters that have um, similarities and conflicts. Like, and I, obviously the Echo and Tech one is like not as big as honestly I'd like, you know. But I also think it's by the way I think it was Echo who said that because Echo originally didn't have a tube anyway because he wasn't created in that lab, right? Um, yeah. This is another reason why I really think we need more Echo in the next season, yeah. uh, because that for me, I thought that was really interesting. Anyway, I, I thought it was it was definitely it was a move, I would say, to have these two together because it was like, wow, these these people have conflict. Well, I think it was like you couldn't leave. It was like, you know, you don't leave uh, Crosshair alone because true, true. what he could do, you know, but I'm still surprised that it was Omega who was by herself. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say something I found was funny is, is one, I did not, I don't think I knew that droids were waterproof <laughs> and like AC was like all in and out of the water <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't think I've ever really thought well, about that before. <laughs> Well, let me let me let me throw this to you. Remember when R two gets stuck in the in the That's swamp true. in Empire Strikes Back? That's true. But I think sometimes I look at that and I'm like, oh, he's just in fog. Like it's just really busy <laughs> down there. But you're yeah, right. There's you're nothing. Right. Um, we don't see droids in water a lot, though. But you're right. No. R two at Empire. He's 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 in a swamp at least, if not fully <laughs> submerged. Um, but I thought that was funny. And then I also thought you mentioned this too about. Um, 
knowing Omega was older. And I don't think Omega actually said that specifically. She just said that like we were created here. Um, Because I remember talking about this last week of like was she created with them or before them? And that is confirmed this week. But I thought it was funny because of course Tech is like, yeah, Omega's older than us. Classic. Classic tech, just, you know, giving, dropping important information on the fly like it's nothing. And I just thought it was funny. But I do think that it explains. I'm glad that we kind of have fully by the end of this season confirmation that like Omega was, uh, like she watched them grow basically. And mm-hmm. I think it's it's poignant too when you see her see all of the clone, I guess, pods. I don't know what you would call them, uh, of where all the other clones – and I don't know if there were clones being created in those pods or if they were all empty. I couldn't really tell. Um, like as they're going through the tunnels, right? And Wrecker is like, we have to go. Uh, but I think it, it – like it, it's sadder. Like just all these instances of Omega coming to grips with Camino being mm-hmm. destroyed are just really hard to watch. Like it's it's unfortunate. It's we talked about this last week, but you know it's like you know it's time to say goodbye, and Omega doesn't ever want to go back. Like she actively left Camino, but leaving and seeing it destroyed are two very different things totally and i think they continue to play that up in this episode which i really liked you know it's, it's emotional for a reason but and in regards to crosshair and omega i love their relationship i think it's such an interesting dynamic and this was something we talked so much about at the beginning of the season was that up that scene in episode one or two where omega sits down with crosshair and it's like i know what you're gonna do please don't do it yada 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 and we get that exact parallel here and it's when we see that Omega has grown her character has developed to where she is perhaps not as naive as she was before and she you know Crosshair and her sitting on a base or somewhere in the quarters I can't remember where and you know Crosshair says just because you're a clone it doesn't make you one of them and he's talking about the rest of the Bad Batch which is interesting because he's not talking about himself in that sense anymore and Omega, I don't think she actually really responds to him, but she says, you know, I wanted to believe that it was your inhibitor chip making you do these things, but I was wrong. And I think that's like, it's such, you know, for as much as I want Crosshair to make a different choice later on, there's a very real possibility that he won't. And I think Omega coming to terms with the fact that he won't or isn't right now is so, like, it's very grown up. For her to do that like we've seen her this whole season making friends with villains basically <laughs> with mm-hmm. bad people and like wanting to believe the best in them like with fennec like with um roland and sid and everything and even with crosshair for a long time in the in the first half of the season and we saw her kind of go back on that in in the couple episodes like when they were being hunted by crosshair and to see her kind of approach crosshair and be like I know that this is you now and I was wrong about you and who I thought you were. I think it's just incredibly grown up and I really liked that conversation that they have. I like how it mirrored their conversation from the very beginning of the episode. And yeah, I think it's I think it is like we've been talking about like this stepping stone, this goodbye to Camino and to everything that the bad batch were before the empire took over. I always think in terms of the conversation about redemption or return to the crew, 
even just talking about this, and it's a weird comparison to make maybe on the surface, but it reminds me of Rey and Kylo, actually, about how at the end of The Last Jedi, Rey is like, I was wrong. Um, And the only way that Ben Solo will return is on his own accord, right? Can't force him into my ship. We can't force him to do anything. Uh, He needs to figure that out himself. And that's what happens in The Rise of Skywalker. That's what happens in the sequel trilogy. And for me, I think that's like kind of one of the major things about redemption and return in Star Wars is this idea of like, you can't force someone to come back into your own organization, whatever that organization may be. And uh, for this, I feel like it was, you can't force Crosshair on that ship at the end. You just can't. You don't know. Um, but you can give him all of the tools to make that choice himself. And at this juncture, the only, the season one finale, right? We're only at the season one finale. Who knows how long the show uh, will happen? Like, if it's only two seasons, at least we have two seasons. And I feel like there's a whole season for that to happen, you know? Yeah. But uh, for me, I was like, okay, so now Crosshair knows that they had this amazing conversation last uh, in the previous episode with Hunter about how he was disappointed in them for not uh, coming back for him and for giving up on him is how he kind of saw it, right? And now perhaps he's given this vision of like what it would be like to be with this crew, like plus one with Omega now. You know, what does that look yeah. like for him? He experienced this, this escape from their home together. And like, yeah, he's left on that that platform that mysterious platform and we have no idea what happens to him after that right but regardless he's not left there he chooses to stay he ch- yes exactly he chooses to stay so like there again with is this choice like they're not going to force him on um so when i said in the beginning of the episode i have like greater hope than ever for crosshair it's because i i think i see this like long road of uh, this redemption arc this like return i don't know it's hard to say like redemption arc but i do think that there's a a, a return that is will be really powerful because this itself yeah. is really powerful in in the long form like almost like sort of similar to like a zuko type situation in avatar but um i don't know i i really see that and i think that there's so many occasions in star wars that we can trace that these are like the steps that it that it takes and it happens and i hope the bad batch kind of like subverts those maybe a little bit and maybe they already are but that's what it reminded me of yeah, I think the the thing that could happen with Crosshair is very similar to a little bit of what we saw with Tam in Resistance. You know, I think that Tam deciding to go with the Empire or with the First Order in Resistance was such like a it was so like that story was so great. I mean, I think unfortunately Resistance didn't have the time to really spend with Tam while she was on the Empire. Like, I wish that they had kind of focused on that story a little more. But, I mean, it's it's so similar at the end, right? Like, when they get Tam back at the end of Resistance, like, the whole setting is the same as far as, like, Cala- uh, Castellan and Camino being, like, water planets, you know? Um, I was immediately thinking of the finale of Resistance, too. But, like, Tam was returning back at that point, and Hunter and Hunter and the rest of the Bad Batch were saying goodbye to Crosshair. And, yeah, I think you're totally right. You know, like, this – this is like this is chapter one, basically. It's it's the fall and it's like the destruction of home and the way that things were. And I think even if like you compare it to a little bit to like the original trilogy, right? Like 
we're basically in the whole first half of A New Hope when Luke is learning about the galaxy and then his home is destroyed and his family, uh, Beru and uh, Owen, are killed. And, you know, he's looking – what does he say? He's like, there's nothing – well, he says this in Return of the Jedi, right? Or no, in A New Hope. There's nothing for me there. Like, I can't go back. And it's like that's an important part of – like the hero's journey is that destruct not destruction necessarily, but like that leaving of home. And it is more powerful when it's like you can't go back there anymore. You can't uh, go back to that quote unquote innocence of just accepting like how your life looked. And this this is some of the conversations that they were having in this episode. Um, they were so good, like Crosshair and Hunter in the beginning when they get back to the uh, Bad Patch Patchler pad. And what I think is so great about these conversations is that you really see that this has affected Crosshair. Like even though he is surly about it, he's the one that keeps bringing it up. He is sad about it. Like he's never going to say he's sad, but he is very, very sad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like when they come in and, uh, you know, Wrecker points out, you know, the mission, like the marks on the wall that he used to do to tag their missions and Crosshair says all those missions and you threw it away. And Hunter says, we made a choice. So did you. And again, so much in Star Wars comes back to personal choice. And Crosshair said, soldiers follow orders. Hunter responds, blind allegiance makes you a pawn. A real leader protects their squad. And Crosshair Ugh, goes, look so where that good. got you. They're all going to die because of your leadership. And it's just, oh, my God, it's so biting. But I think the one that, like, really made me sad was in, when Wrecker brought it up because I was like, mm, no, no. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when Wrecker tells Crosshair, he says, all that time you didn't even try to come back. We still would have taken you. And Tech mm-hmm. says, let it go, Wrecker. Crosshair has always been severe and unyielding. It is his nature. You cannot change that. He cannot change that. And that – Really reminded me of Mortis and daughter's discussion on son. Oh my god, it is right? in his nature. It is his nature. I it was like, na- I was like, Tech, have you been to Mortis? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you're. It's like you're right, and that like they're setting us up for effectively like a darker middle chapter, I guess you could say, of Crosshair and like his feelings about the empire and like what like where is his loyalty going to lie ultimately is it with the empire is it with bad batch but ultimately neither one of those things matter it's the choice that he makes for himself Mm -hmm. and i think that we see in all of these conversations uh i guess instances that could lead him down one path and uh that could, and others that could lead him down another path. Like this whole conversation with Wrecker and Tech is a perfect example of that. Like it's his nature. He cannot – you cannot change that. He cannot change that. I mean it's like is that true? Crosshair was created, right? He wasn't – he wasn't born. He was created. And not only was he created as a clone but he was manipulated. Like his – like he was further manipulated as a clone. So like how much of that is hard – like truly hardwired into his brain similar to how we think of the inhibitor chip but then on the other side of that it's like it is his nature you cannot change that he cannot he cannot change that people can always change people can always make a different choice like crosshair there are so many stories where people have opinions like that of characters and the character in question proves them wrong and that's like the whole point of that character's story you know what i mean and But the fact that it's, like, kind of mirrored to the whole Mortis conversation is so fascinating because, like, even though daughter and son were 
literally polar opposites, you know, embodiments of the light and dark side of the force. That story ended showing just how much son loved daughter mm-hmm. and how broken he was by her death. And he's kind of irrevocably changed by that, right? And it's like, how does the dark side like it came down to his relationship with his sister, basically, and the fact that the dark side truly loved the light side, you know, as embodiments of brother and sister, and that that kind of, in a way, overrided these like positions that they were. Um, and of course, that's like so big picture, big scale, because like they're literally personifications of the force. Like, I, I don't mean to like completely equate crosshair and sun <laughs> at all, <laughs> but I think it's it's very interesting that tech uses the exact same kind of verbiage to describe crosshair. It's like some people can't be changed, but people can always try to change, you know? And I think that that is something that Star Wars has shown us kind of time and time again. Yeah, when Tex said that, I was like, okay, this is going to be changed or this is going to be challenged because that just feels in the concept of free will, which is like the theme of the show. It doesn't seem like you are born this way. I mean, I think that it's it's more complicated, obviously, and that's why the clones are such interesting characters, because they have programmable traits, right? So perhaps that is true on paper, but it doesn't actually have to mean that that's actually how you are, or like you can exhibit opposite reactions to those traits that are programmed, like perhaps, I guess. Yeah, it's good. It's sad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I think it's it's so interesting. And like they, they do talk about choice a lot too. Like Crosshair, again, he said it's very similar to Kylo in The Last Jedi when he tells Hunter later on. Crosshair says, Camino, the regs, the Republic, that time is over. The Empire will control the entire galaxy and I'm going to be a part of it. Hunter, you made the wrong choice. And Hunter responds and says, don't fool yourself. All you'll ever be to them is a number. Mm. I'm so mm. biting. It's, it's, I, just, it's all so loaded. It's so biting. And the, the dialogue yeah. was just so good in this episode. You know when you spend weeks talking about something for an hour a week and then you get the payoff of them actually talking about those things? Right. <laughs> it feels really good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It really does. <laughs> the, 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 in general, just as like a fan, the payoff of like those conversations, it just cannot go unsaid about how great it feels, you yeah. know? <laughs> the other thing I wanted to say before I forgot was that when I thought we almost lost Jay-Z, oh I was, it was, wasn't it? It was very much like Baymax and Big Hero 6. Oh, and I, that wrecked me. That movie <laughs> Me too. Hit, it hits a lot of punches emotionally. Well, we saw that together, we right? Did. We saw that together, and it was like, oh my god, what are we watching? Tadashi, so oh my god. No, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Figure 6 came out a long time ago. True. <laughs> uh, but the whole, like, that hurt, and then you, you finish with the, the whole Baymax scene, which is very similar to this scene as far as, like, a pod and a kid and, like, their helper friend. <laughs> mm-hmm. And him, like, floating into the depths of the sea. But, again, this is the thing that is so great about Omega, though, is that she is always – she's she's always helping. She's always going to make the choice to be compassionate and save someone. She does – like, she, she fights to save Crosshair at the end. 
or at the beginning of the episode uh, when he is stuck under debris. You know, she mm-hmm. fights so hard and she was like insistent about rescuing Hunter. She, uh, you know, spoke out about what was happening to Roland. And at the end, she was not going to let AZ die. She wasn't going to let mm-hmm. them abandon him. And I just, I just, I love her as a character a lot. And I think that she has grown a lot, especially evident in these last two episodes. Totally. I love her so much. I, you know, I've gone on my soapbox a lot on this podcast about droids rights and like how we think about droids in Star Wars. And sometimes I just think that they lead such sad, sad lives, a life of service. And I think that for here uh, in this episode, Omega risking it all to save the droid, I feel like sometimes goes against what we know in Star Wars about um, some droids that we, you know, just meet and they, sometimes they just, you know, they get blown to bits and like the Clone Wars is a good example of that about like the battle droids and things like that. But here, sometimes when you fall in love with a droid and that droid gets hurt, it just hurts so much And as an audience member. And this was uh, no, uh, no different here. I felt like I... I was like, I was crying. I was like, oh my God, this cannot happen. Omega, please save. The moment it was like my battery reserve is going down. I was like, oh no. That's what happened to Baymax. (laughs) I know. And it was like, it's just like, you know, it's the Chekhov's gun of droid deaths. It's And the fact that they got him back though, I feel like it speaks to what makes Star Wars animation and, you know, Star Wars in general, but I feel like Star Wars animation in a lot of ways and is like the thesis statement of hope in star wars and really hammers home a lot of the themes that we love so much about star wars and like what brought us to the series as a whole and omega is like the perfect character for that for me i feel like you're right she is like pure compassion and her ability to save this droid that we only recently fell in love with like yes we saw the droid earlier and everything but it's kind of a new droid for us wow it was just so good I was so happy. <laughs> yeah, I'm very happy that AZ is going to be part of the crew now. Yes, me too. Yeah. Can we also talk about the fact that at the end of this episode, we saw this sun on yeah, what the Camino? Yeah. <laughs> it was so strange. And of course, there, there is like the, the greater symbolism of, you know, the sun rising finally, like coming after this trial that they've had and this like basically on this new day, this new world that they've stepped into where Camino no longer exists as they knew it, right? But I have a bit of a theory brewing about the sun because our okay. friend Savannah like texted me after I watched this episode and she was like, but, like, where has it been the whole time? <laughs> and I was, like, you know, I was so caught up in the emotion of the episode. I, like, really didn't even think to be – to question the fact that there was the sun on Camino. Like, <laughs> I really didn't even think about it until she asked me. And then I was, like, oh, yeah. Like, where has the sun been this whole time? Have we just always been on Camino in the rainy season? <laughs> like <laughs> – But I do have a theory brewing that um, perhaps part of the genius of the Kaminoans was that they had technology to harvest the power of the sun for cloning. And Mm. that's why the sun has never been there. Um, And it's always been raining. And now that the cloning facilities are gone, the sun rises or rather the clouds part. Um, And, you know, like what else takes the power of the sun 
Starkiller Star base. base. And, you know, we've been talking this whole time about like Yoda and uh, like baby Grogu. Sorry, that felt random, but like Grogu yeah. and like <laughs> cloning, like in force, clo- cloning force capable people and stuff like that. And that like that's where we're headed with all of this. And I think that is true. But I think there's also this other part of it that perhaps uh, we haven't really seen coming is that the Kaminoans maybe also develop technology that is eventually used in Starkiller Base. Yeah. I love that theory. I think that makes perfect sense. I think that there's also in terms of your I think you're dead on with the metaphor of like now the sun is finally rising. Like it's it's new. It's a new life, new dawn, right? That's like terminology that has been used to describe this era anyway in Star Wars before. But there's something that's sinister about the fact that it has never this we've never seen the sun on Camino before. As much as we can mourn the loss of Camino because it's wrapped up in nostalgia for us, it like definitely symbolizes an era that we've grown to like to explore, yada yada yada, right? There's still this like element of, oh, you know, the Kaminoans existed off the map like literally legitimately off the map and that was a creepy thing in this like neo-noir uh world that attack of the clones illustrated for us right then we get there and we find out that you know they're they're creating soldiers for a war that was doomed to happen that was like planned to happen and that's sinister you know the place is sinister (laughs) so the it being gone while we're like oh oh my god like these characters that we love like this was their home this is where they were created it's also a place of trauma for characters like omega Mm -hmm. who uh and then it's also a place of of war right this this technology that is in some regard evil so the sun coming out it makes perfect sense to me that it would but i like your theory so much about that because (laughs) I think what we will see, and that's, I think, leads to the end of this episode, the sort of like epilogue of the finale when we see Nala say come to this like really cool Mount Fuji looking place. <laughs> yeah. Right? That planet was like, I loved the design of that. It was so Miyazaki to me. When we see that, it just, it's very clear to me that we're going to see an inside look into what the Empire wants with cloning and how they're going to use it and what they're going to do about the secrets that Kamino held and things like that. So, there's just like this episode is like loaded with visual metaphors. <laughs> loaded. Yeah. I think as you were talking about the sun on Camino, it also got me thinking about the conversation we often have too about like the history of the galaxy and how people know what they know or don't know what they don't know. And we, we always talk about like the legacy of the Jedi and how they were quickly kind of transitioned into myth and a fable in the galaxy and it's so interesting about Kamino like in the the greater conversation of the empire and that like you're right it was written off the map like it was purposefully removed from a map that we see in attack of the clones and now all the facilities are destroyed too so no one in the galaxy knows about Kamino and there's no evidence of it existing anymore except for Nala and who knows what's going to happen to her like Will she ever leave that planet? Probably not. You know what I mean? And I just think it's so interesting, like, talking about the clones and, like, this myth of the clones and then, like, they're all um, – or, like, this this legacy of the clones across the galaxy, but then they're all eradicated, basically. Like, I'm sure that's what the Empire is doing or in the process of doing or, like, they die soon. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, this is the conversation that the Empire and, like, Tarkin and Rampart have been having this season of 
we don't need the clones. So you get rid of the clones, you get rid of Kamino, and like that whole chapter in the history books is gone. And there's no evidence of it either. I think it's it's very eerie. It's very creepy. It's creepy. The the fact that I don't know that that this was a planet that was erased before and now it can be erased again too is yeah crazy. Yeah. Ooh. It's like, yeah, it's very creepy. Ugh, this season, this episode was so good. I'm just sitting here like, ugh, I feel like we could talk about this for hours. Like we could break down every single piece. And the thing is, I don't think a lot of people are feeling the same way. Maybe it's just me who's like, I think this episode was beautifully done. But I just want to comment on the fact that from the beginning, one of the things that I was really excited about from The Bad Batch was that there were these characters that we were given that I feel like live on the periphery of the story that we know so well about like the rise of the empire, the fall of the Republic and everything that we've never really examined what happens to the clones. And it makes perfect sense that the show would revolve around this like quote unquote superior type of clone. And how do they navigate in a world where that means nothing anymore? And what does that mean in terms of like, Okay, they're on the run for bounty hunters. They're on the run from the empire. They're on the run. They're and how, how do they they who do they encounter? Who do they um, become? Right. And I have loved this idea. This like the fact that it sits behind. So for me, I just want to reiterate that I felt like this this episode with them being the only ones, or so we think, left on Camino here. It just made such sense that this would be like so focused on them. And one of the major criticisms I've seen, at least online, from The Bad Batch is that like a lot of other Star Wars properties around this time in this era, there's like been a lot of cameos. I actually don't think there has been that many cameos. I feel like this is like pretty average for a Star Wars animation series, to be honest. Uh, but for me, I feel like there has been this major focus on the era versus maybe the yeah. batch itself. And that was what excited me about the series to begin with anyway. And um, their characters, obviously, as we've talked about, that I've absolutely fallen in love with and characters that I could talk for hours about and have. Um, but I think this exploration into this era this is something that we've never seen before, really, at least in current canon, uh, it's just so good. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's specifically it's like we we have stories from this era, but like so small scale. But you're getting like you're understanding what's going on galaxy wide, like through the clones, is I think so important. And it's 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 a good story. You know, it's just it's a good story to see what happens to this asset right? This piece of property, which is how the Republic and the Empire, like let's not forget like the Republic and the Empire both consider the clones property. Like we can draw a lot of conversations about like morals and like, you know, the Republic was better than the Empire and like this whole thing. But like, but this story about like what happens when your purpose has been taken away from you, who do you become, who you are, like who are you truly? Uh, you know, I think this this season went a lot of different directions than I think we had thought it would at the beginning of the season. And we talked about this a couple episodes ago, but I think the where we landed at the end of season one, I think makes total sense for especially, you know, having it confirmed that there's going to be more seasons for like tracking with their like with the Bad Batch and Crosshair overall, like with 
what their character arcs will be. Like this whole season is pretty much an introduction, um, one, to the world that we're in and also of the Bad Batch to this new world that they're living in, right? Like it's <laughs> it's them finding their feet, trying to. And I think I thought they would come to a more definitive place by the end of season one um, personally, but it's just like they're still getting there. You know what I mean? It's like it's just season one and – having it end on Camino and fully saying goodbye to Camino really is them taking the next steps for what we'll see in season two of like now they understand what's going on. They understand um, like different people they can contact, different people they shouldn't contact, like who they are and kind of um, like having this final standoff with Crosshair is in a way like solidifying all of the choices that they made, um, confirming that they made the right choice for who they want to be as a group. Um, and hopefully like in the future, we'll continue to see more of that like individual choice amongst all of the Bad Batch, uh, you know, individually. Because I, I mm-hmm. do think that's something that is not lacking. Like it is lacking in this season, but like there's still time – for it in the future you know what I mean like what I've yeah, liked to I'm see- forgiving about it I'm forgiving. yeah yeah exactly like do I think this season could have further benefited from more like in-depth characterization characterization on tech and echo absolutely I do but you know like we say I'm willing to be patient until next season to continue to see that and I really do hope that at least one of the bad batch make a decision for a different path in life because I think that's kind of the point um, mm-hmm. and that it does and like what Crosshair or Hunter says to Crosshair at the end like we want different things in life we don't have to be enemies and I think that that could be applied like if one of them decides to take a different path like we want different things in life that doesn't mean we're still not brothers if some of us go this direction and some of us go another direction mm-hmm. I don't know I think I think that could be really powerful Yes, I really liked that line because it provides like a third option, (laughs) you know, of, you know, a crosshair doesn't have to join the empire. If he does, like, it doesn't mean they have to be tracking the Bad Batch all the time and hunting them down because they're traitors or something like that. And I, for me, I don't know what I see immediately in Crosshair's future, like what episode one of season two looks like. Did he get picked up? Yeah, I, he has to get picked up, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, if he does, if he doesn't get picked up, what? If he does get picked up and he's back in in the Empire, I think we'll probably immediately see them treating him poorly. And uh, so whatever we learned about, um, like the place where Gregor was, about the, the clone training program, um, if that, that's where they assign him and he doesn't mm. want to do that, I feel like there's going to be some conflict there about things that were introduced in the season. The real um, question is if do you think Crosshair is going to tell the Empire that the Bad Batch is still alive? No. I don't think I so don't. either. I don't because I think of – because of this. But we'll see. I could be completely wrong about that. And I, I think that he'll hold on to that information until it's beneficial to him. Uh, yeah. To To bring that up. But I do think that this entire – experience for him really did so mistrust into the empire for him and i feel like he already felt that way i feel like we keep I, seeing I these like at least like it, it it there's like the seeds of it there's I definitely guess. the seeds of it. it it's being pointed out to him but th- yeah. this whole episode he was like 
you made the wrong choice. You should have yeah, joined the Empire. True. Good soldiers follow orders. He stayed on the platform with yeah. literally no way off. <laughs> I think in terms of – okay. I think we, you're thinking in terms of the character and I'm thinking more of the story. Do you know what I mean? I About mean, like the audience like being like, oh, yeah, he has some sort of – sense of oh empire equal bad even though he doesn't agree with it yet but for you it's like yeah he doesn't agree with it yeah i think that you know i think we get enough long stares from crosshair <laughs> so many long stares <laughs> to to support your theory too yeah. but and i think i think perhaps it's also a situation of like he doesn't want it to be true you know i think the most uh poignant thing that hunter says is like you know you'll only ever be a number to them and I think Crosshair will like he knows that, but he's like, no, I'm not a reg. I'm better. I'm not just a number. And I think that would be like his argument back to Hunter if he had responded that way, you know. Uh, but I think next season it'll be, no, you are just a number. Mm-hmm. The non humans, the non clones, are just a number too. Yeah, I think there'll be there there will be some specific things like that that will harken back to those conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Ugh, so good. It's very good. And <laughs> yeah, now we just I have this vision though of uh like three days passing and and Wrecker being like, Should we should we go make sure he got picked up? <laughs> Maybe do a, a flyby? Yeah, just like a real quick drive by. <laughs> Yeah, so funny. I uh, yeah, I think that's that's like a comic someone should draw. Such a funny uh, opening to season two of them being like, "Told you, you're still here. Where do you want us to drop you off?" Yikes! If he's still there after three days, poor guy. I know. Uh, There's there's I wanted to mention that there's a couple scenes in this that reminded me of two movies that I just felt like it was like undeniable. Number one, Titanic. When the whole thing was sinking and they were holding on. I was thinking about how that's probably one of the most emotional scenes in Titanic for me when they're holding on to the side of the ship and it's like going down when it's like basically up in the air. Yeah. And things were like coming down and hitting them and things like that. That happened with Omega, you know, so it felt really real to me and the same emotions that I felt in Titanic, I was feeling here too. Uh, I love that movie, by the way. (laughs) And then it also reminded me of when they were in the tube. I was like, oh, my God, I forgot that there were these, like, underwater creatures. Because in in Attack of the Clones, I completely forgot that some of the Kaminoans ride those cool, like, water creatures. Yeah. I completely forgot about it. And then I was like, oh, my God, this is bad. So <laughs> I was thinking about how uh, in Jurassic Park 3, which never gets talked about, but actually I like Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the there's a great scene one of the like more iconic things about that movie is that there's a whole cage where pterodactyls are and um, they're walking through these tunnels These they don't know that it's a huge pterodactyl cage um, and they're walking through and they're like oh this seems good it seems safe like yeah it's old but it seems safe and then a, you know a pterodactyl comes in it's a huge <laughs> huge beast safe. right yeah and, and the the electricity is down it's like the same vibe <laughs> so i was like oh this is the same and of course i like to point out the jurassic park stuff because it's the same people who worked on the same movies so yeah um and then when they were like floating in the tubes i definitely thought of <laughs> finding nemo at the oh end oh my gosh the bags <laughs> yes 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 
We've drawn such good comparisons this episode. Some classic movies. Okay. <laughs> you go from Titanic to Finding Nemo when they're Nemo. in the bags. <laughs> the yeah. bags. Big Hero 6, Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> the classics. Only the, the cl- classics. All the classics. <laughs> That's so funny. Wow. I love that. That's the best one. The Finding Nemo one. Well, when they when they popped up, just like to bring it back to bad, yeah. When they popped up, and then like the um the tubes opened like only in the front, and it looked like a canoe. I was like, wow, it really does look like a canoe. This is weird. <laughs> they're like start <laughs> paddling. I was like, yeah, they were like, it's time to start paddling. I was like, okay, like it legit looks like a boat. Okay, so funny. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> so funny. All right, is there anything else that we want to talk about with regards to the season one finale of the Bad Batch? I don't think so. I hope we get some behind-the-scenes features for the show now that it's over. Would love to yeah, see some more from the creators about it, kind of in a quote-unquote official capacity. But I'm really looking forward to season two, and I had such a good time with Bad Batch this this year, this season. So the 16 episodes has flown by, oh and God. I cannot wait for next year and for next season. Me too. I had the best time. I really loved this series and this season. And thank you so much if you've listened to every single episode with us week to week, or even just a few, or even just this one. Uh, we love doing these recaps, and um, it's always such a journey for us. And we we throw out you know crazy theories, and some of them come true, and some of them don't. So you're you're with us week to week. I can't tell you how much we are grateful for it and appreciate it. Yes, we really do appreciate it. And for those of you that have been with us week to week, no, Charlotte has not Venmoed me $20. Okay. I'm going <laughs> to buy you some drinks when we go to California later yeah, this yeah, year. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It'll be my, my Camino drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, 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 my God. You can buy me a Dark and Stormy. <laughs> okay. That's perfect. You don't even like Dark and Stormies. I know. I know. <laughs> but, like, I think we have to for, for the gram. <laughs> Okay, for the gram. Great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys, like Charlotte said, so much for listening, whether you've been on this entire Bad Batch journey or have just kind of hopped in here and there as you please. We're so grateful for you listening. And uh, right now we do have our summer series all about Obi-Wan Kenobi called Knowing Kenobi that's running. And uh, we hope you guys are enjoying that. Or if this is your first episode that you've listened to Sky Talkers, uh, highly recommend our Kenobi series. It's our big summer series that we do every year about an in-depth topic in Star Wars. And this year is all about Obi-Wan Kenobi through the archetype of different tarot cards. So that's quite the elevator pitch. So if you haven't checked it out, uh, I hope you consider checking it out because we're really proud of it and had a really good time recording it. So I think that is going to wrap up this episode. Again, thank you so much for listening. If you want to find us online to talk more about Star Wars, you can find us on Twitter at SkyDockersPod or on my handle, which is at Caitlin Plusher or Charlotte's, which is at Crarity. We also have our website, SkyTalkers.com, our Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok account. Just search SkyTalkers Podcast and you will find us. And if you haven't left us a review yet on iTunes, we would really love it. If you did, it helps other people find our show. And if you are interested in supporting us further, you can check out our Patreon and check out our reward tiers there. And I want to say a huge thank you to these patrons, Linda, Ethan, Mercedes, Logan, Colin, Molly, Catherine, Ashley, Rad, Lindsay, Lola, Froppy, Kat, and Dave. Thank you so much for supporting us. Yes, thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. 
May the force be with you. Thank you.